Have you ever noticed that um, when life gets difficult or there are things in life that we can't, get un- that we can't understand, that we, we kind of get caught up in our own story? And it's hard to see anything else outside of our own story. And so this kind of represents all these um, different stories that people have. And sometimes in life we get so caught up with our own story, we forget that there's a bigger story that's happening. And if we zoom out a little bit, we'll see that there's a much bigger story to life. And yet it gets difficult for us. We kind of get caught up in our own story. We're in this series called From the Margins, and it's looking at the letters of the New Testament and how the individual authors were writing to specific people, helping them find their voice. And today we're going to look at this letter or book called Hebrews. And it is a wonderfully written story, very eloquently written in its original language, bridging the story of Israel with the story of the church, with Jesus in the middle of it. And it's inviting the original readers into that story to step out of their, um, out of their experience and just broaden out, zoom out, and look at the bigger story of which they were part. And I think it still does that for us today. And so what we're going to do as we've been doing through this series is rather than zeroing in on, on one or two verses, we're actually zooming out. And we're looking at, like the last couple of weeks, we looked at the letters of Paul and some dominant themes in his letters. He wrote a lot of them in our New Testament. Today it's the letter to Hebrews. A lot of people read Hebrews and they're kind of like, I don't really get this book. And it was written to uh, predominantly Jewish people that were kind of steeped in their Jewish tradition and culture. But they had come to, to follow Jesus, believe in Jesus, and follow him. And the writer was encouraging them because they were having a hard time in life. And things were difficult. And he was just helping them to see how their story was part of a bigger story. And as a way of helping us kind of capture our story as part of a bigger story, I thought we would watch this little video from thebibleproject.com. If you've never explored thebibleproject.com, they do a great job of just making Scripture more accessible for, for people to, to understand. So let's watch this together. So there you have it, a much bigger story that we're a part of in five minutes. And hopefully that's uh, helpful for you just in seeing how the letters that we're looking at fit into this larger story. So as I said, sometimes we get caught up in our own life, but if we zoom out, we see that we're part of a larger story. And what the writer to the Hebrews is doing, this letter called Hebrews, is showing that Jesus is actually at the center of that story. And when we zoom back out we see Jesus there and as we zoom back in we begin to see Jesus is at the center of all of this so whether we're looking back or whether we're looking at the present whether we're looking ahead what the writer to Hebrews is doing is saying in all of this story Jesus is at the center of it and he begins his letter by giving us the credentials of Jesus And he says, listen, if Jesus is at the center of the story and we're being challenged to 
to just see ourselves as part of a larger story. And I do recognize this, that uh, for many people, particularly uh, younger generations today, the idea of a larger story or a meta-narrative is something that's actually pretty scary and pretty daunting. And I can understand why, why we would have difficulty with a meta-narrative or a larger story of which we're part, because then it means that we are not in, necessarily in control. And for a lot of people, the idea that I make my own story has a great appeal to it. I'm responsible for my own life. I create my own truth, and I live my own story. The difficulty with that is, in reality, that is just not something that's true. That you are tied into a uh, billion other stories that are connected and twisted together, and they are moving towards something. And it's the biblical writers that are saying, yeah, they're moving towards something that the God shows us that there's a God who began all this and he's bringing it to, an, to a conclusion. And from the past to the present to the end, he's at the center of it all. And so the writer of the Hebrews is saying, listen, Jesus is at the center, so let me give you his credentials. Let's just state this up front. And so the very first verses in the letter to the Hebrews are this. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. That is the Old Testament. But in these last days... He has spoken to us by his son. And interestingly, if you're a Christian person and you, and you kind of get caught up in the whole end times, last days thing, and you're wondering, like, when are the end times going to be? They've been around since the time of Jesus. The end times or the last days have been around since Jesus has been with us and we're, we're living in that. So no worry about something coming down the road. It's, we're already living in those times. And then he says that um, he appointed uh, the heir, he's appointed the heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. So Jesus is the one who was there at creation and he's present now and he's going to be there at the end. And then he says this, the sun is the radiance of God's glory in the exact representation of his being. And the wording there is where we get our word character from. He's the very character of God. So, in essence, what the writer is saying is that everything you need to know about God, you will find in the person of Jesus. He's the one who sustains everything by his powerful word. And after he provided purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And so the author's just laying out the credentials of Jesus. And he is saying, this man that we know as Jesus of Nazareth, and to these original receivers of this letter most of whom would never have met him but heard about him, the writer is saying he is at the center. Jesus is at the center not only of this grand story, but he can be at the center of your story. And of course, they're aware of that. They've been moving down this road of following Jesus and of walking with Jesus. And throughout this letter, and if you've tried reading Hebrews, I always encourage people, um, grab a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we've got one on the back. If you're here in person and you want a Bible, there's one at the back of the room here. Help yourself. If you're online and you'd love a Bible, send us a note, connect at callingwood.com, or call the office, and we will gladly get a Bible to you. 
Read through the letter to the Hebrews. It's 13 chapters. It'll take you 20, 30 minutes maybe to read through it. And get a broader scope of it. Because what the author does is he states essentially up front the credentials of Jesus. But then he does this. He says Jesus is greater than so many of these other things that you've been leaning into. So for the original readers of this letter, he begins in chapter 2 and he says, you know, listen, the angels that you're so caught up about. Jesus is greater than the angels, and the message that he has is greater than theirs because he himself is the message. Jesus didn't come with a message like the prophets did. Jesus came and said, the message that I'm giving you is myself, that God has come among you. And he's just laying out these credentials. So he's saying, first of all, that Jesus is greater than the angels. And then in chapter 3, he, he compares Jesus and Moses. Moses, who gave Israel their, their law, the Torah, uh, much of what we refer to as the Old Testament. And he's saying, listen, if you want to talk about credentials, Moses is so great, but he's nothing compared to Jesus. Someone who serves in a house and takes care of the house, they might be the most important person in the house, but the guy who built the house is even more so. And that's the comparison that he's making between Jesus and Moses. In chapter 4, he talks about Jesus and Joshua. Listen, Joshua took you into this land of rest, and he, and he gave you this promised land. He helped you enter into it. Well, Jesus is actually that rest that you can enter. And he says that Jesus is greater than Joshua. And then he goes on, he talks about Abraham. The, the story that we just watched. Abraham is like the father of, of Israel. God chose this man to try to help humanity realize who he was fully and completely. And as the story that we just watched shows, it didn't work out. But here the author is saying Jesus is even greater than Moses as you move into chapter 7 and chapter 8. And then in chapters 9 and 10, he talks about the religious system that these people would have been familiar with, about sacrifices and about the high priest and about the temple. And he's saying that high priest that you go to every year because you think that high priest is somehow going to help you stay connected to God, Jesus is even greater than that high priest. And he lays out all these reasons for why Jesus is greater than the high priest or greater than the religious systems. And I kind of bring that into today and I think how often in our world do we, do we look to things outside of ourselves such as the spiritual realm and lots of people are, are interested in spiritual things. And this still stands today where the author is saying, Jesus is greater than those spiritual powers that you might be interested in. Whether, um, you know, for whatever your cultural background, even people today who would say I'm spiritual but not religious, I find my peace and my comfort and my strength in nature. And I think the author makes a good case here to say, if that is what you think is bringing you peace and comfort, Jesus is greater than that. Or maybe it's seeing someone that you hope will tell your future. And the author is saying, Jesus is greater than that. Maybe some of your hope in trying to understand your story when life is difficult and it doesn't make sense is you're looking to other people. And there's something happening tomorrow that uh, I think a lot of people are looking to their great leaders to hope that one of these two will fix their problems tomorrow. And the author to the Hebrews is reminding his original readers, and I think God is still reminding us today, that Jesus is better than these great leaders that we keep hoping will save us. 
and the religious systems that we've created, whether it's a religious system that is caught up in a formalized religion or you've created your own religious system. And I always talk about this when we kind of, when we have this idea of like, I don't understand when you're talking about sin and all that. And I would say, the, you know, the Bible talks about this because it's something that we all wrestle with. We create our own system of, of good and right and wrong and best, and then we break our own laws. Never mind, you know, the biblical laws, whether you want to get caught up in having a discussion about whether or not you're living according to all the biblical laws. We create our own laws, and then we break them all the time. And it's just this indication that there's something within us that needs to be fixed. Or something within us that keeps leading us astray and makes us sick. And there's all these definitions for sin and the writers already said Jesus has dealt with that he is better than any religious system that we could come up with and he's laying out those credentials and then he's essentially saying to the to the people that he's writing to is listen I know that life is hard because they were going through an extremely difficult time and he's saying I know life is hard don't give up on Jesus don't quit on him And as you read through the letter to Hebrews, you'll see several times in chapter 2, chapter 6, probably chapter 4, chapter 10, there's these, maybe what you would call an exhortation or a warning. And so in chapter 2, the author is saying, listen, don't don't give up on on this salvation that you've heard about. In chapter 6, look at these verses here. God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers, as you still do. And our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. And then he follows it up with this. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and their endurance. And so in in chapter 6, he's just encouraging them, don't turn away from the truth that you already have experienced. You know who Jesus is. You've actually started following Jesus. You've experienced Jesus. Don't turn away from that because it's hard when you turn away from that. It's hard to turn back. And then he encourages them with with these words here, like God knows how hard you've been trying. And he's still staying faithful to you. This is this interesting thing. The author is saying, when you turn away from this, it's hard to turn back. But if you do turn back, what you'll find in all of the biblical writers, particularly these New Testament letter writers, is that whenever you turn back, you'll see that God has turned towards you. And he's willing to receive you. But there is this kind of seriousness to this. God knows how hard you've been trying. Don't give up on Jesus. Because I think when we give up, it's hard to turn back. And life would say that that's true. And then the author says, don't give up on the church. Now, these people that received this letter, they were from a very, um, you know, uh, established religious system of Judaism. And they discovered in Jesus this Messiah that they were looking for. And they were following him, and yet life was getting difficult. And they were prone to say... I just, I don't get it anymore. What's the point? 
Why bother with this? And they were tempted to just go back into what they knew and were com- most comfortable with. And that was in their, in their um, Jewish faith. And the author is saying, don't give up on the people that have been journeying with you. If you give up on, on Jesus or if you give up on the church, it's like you're giving up on Jesus. And the idea was just, I, I can't do this anymore. Forget it. I'm going back to what I know. And I think that's the story that we're all familiar with. If I could take you back into the biblical story, the story of the Israelites in Egypt. They were in Egypt. Things were good. They had a system, a way of doing life. They were delivered out of Egypt, even though they thought, you know, they were looking back and saying life was good, but they'd been living in slavery. And they were in the middle of the wilderness, and they didn't get to where they were hoping they were going to be. And things were really difficult where they were presently. And they kept saying to Moses, their leader, why bother? Let's just go back to Egypt and what we know. And there's like this default setting in us. So people will sometimes just think, you know what? This is too hard. And I so appreciate those of you who are here in person. Because it's difficult. And, and, and some of you this morning here, this is your first time visiting with us, and it hasn't always looked like this. It's an empty room. Everybody's split apart. Everybody's got their mask on. And, and th- we're getting used to this, but there are days and times when we just feel like saying, why bother? I'm done. And those, if you're watching online, this is not to say that we don't appreciate what you're doing. Because you're making a conscious effort to watch and to participate, whether it's right now or you might be watching this three days from now, but you're still taking the time to watch. And that's just this part. Then there's all of the serving that happens and the things that you're doing outside of just participating in this worship gathering. But within each and every one of us, there's from time to time this bit that just says, is this really worth it? Particularly when we were really distanced and we couldn't meet here in person, everybody liked being at home on Sunday morning. I enjoyed it. You know, just preaching from my good shirt, my pajamas on the bottom and my good shirt up. But we think, like, is it worth it? I don't know if it's worth it. I'm just going to go back to what I know. And the author is saying, don't, don't give up on the church so he writes this. Hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm because God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let's think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let's not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And throughout this letter, these people are just having a hard time with life and they're getting caught up in their own story and the author is helping them step out and say, your story is part of a bigger story. Do not give up on Jesus. Don't give up on your faith. Don't give up on your faith. Don't give up on the church. And I think sometimes we feel like, I can follow Jesus. I don't need to be part of the church. And when I read verses like this and other places in Scripture, what I discover is this. To follow Jesus is to be part of community, is to do that in community. 
We can't follow Jesus by ourselves. So part of what the author is doing here is he's just simply saying, don't give up on the church. The church is the body of Christ now. Literally, we are indwelled by the Spirit of God. And the world meets Jesus in and through us. And you meet Jesus when you stay connected to the community. And you can be out in in the, the community of faith. You can be out in the world. You can be out in the community. You can be meeting Jesus in the poor, in the outcasts, in the marginalized, and in the lonely. And yet you will always meet him in the church. And I think the author is just encouraging people. And just a little bit later in in chapter 10, I think, is the crux of the whole letter. He says this in verse 36. Don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. And then you will receive all that he has promised. In chapter 11, he reminds us of the faithfulness of God. People who stayed true to Jesus even when they weren't sure how things were going to end. And they didn't even, they, it didn't even work out for a lot of them. But they stayed true. And the author is showing the, the faithfulness of God, the loyalty of God, and how people stayed loyal to, loyal to him. So kind of like this whole letter is written to say to people then who were going through an extremely difficult time in life, hang in there. Because you are part of a larger story. And that story makes the most sense when it's tied to Jesus. And when you can see Jesus at the center of that story. And the crux of life is actually being able to take the focus off of your story so you can zoom out and see Jesus at the center of it all. Your story and this larger story. And one of the things that the faith community does is it helps you to see that. So I want to encourage you, hang in there. Hang in there. Don't give up. Because this story that you are a part of is a rich story. And it's a beautiful story. And it has a beautiful ending. So hang in there and don't give up. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the story of humanity. That you are not a distant God, that you are a God who enters into our story the story of humanity, but you enter into our story as individuals. And you show us our our worth. You show us that we matter. And you show us that our story actually ties into this larger story. So who we are and how we live, we know, has significance and meaning and purpose because it does tie into this larger story of of the trajectory of humanity and the universe, of being one with you, reconciled with you, and of seeing the evil and the suffering and the difficulties of this world coming to an end, and of living with you in person forever here on this earth.
May we not lose sight of the forest for the trees. May we be able, even in the difficult, most difficult times of our own life, be able to hold on to you at the center of this grand story and find our encouragement, find our faith, find our hope, find our love, all stemming from that. And when it feels like we just can't hold on anymore and we, we end up slipping and, and letting go, may we just wonderfully find ourselves surprised by being caught in your hands of love and held up by the people around us as we journey through this story together. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being here. Thanks for following with us online. Uh, next week, we're going to look at uh, a guy named Peter and the letters that he wrote. So until then, uh, grace and peace be with you all. Bye for now.